0: Hey friends, I am so glad you are back for another week of the podcast. I feel like I need to give a disclaimer this morning though. I am extremely amped up on coffee right now. I am a bit of a coffee junkie. It is the very first thing I do in the morning is like stumble to the coffee maker and pour myself a giant cup of coffee. And then I continue to drink coffee until 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'm usually a relatively positive, energetic person anyways. But for whatever reason, this morning, I am feeling really caffeinated. And I apologize if I happen to talk extremely fast during this episode. I am blaming it on the caffeine. You might need to listen to it at like 0.75. So it sounds normal. I have been thinking a lot lately about reading and writing and the connection between the two of them. If I were to ask your students, or for you for that matter, what the five steps are of the writing process, I am pretty confident that they would be able to tell me that you brainstorm, you draft, you revise, you edit, and then you publish. It's because this is a process. The writing process is something that we teach our students starting all the way back in kindergarten, and they follow the same writing process all the way through their college years if they choose to extend their education. And they hear it year after year after year. And we have a process for writing because it helps kids get started, it helps them follow a step-by-step guide, and it helps them to become successful writers. And so I've been thinking, if we have a process to help our students become successful writers, why don't we have a specific process to help them become readers? I know our students have a process for reading, but the thing is, is can they tell you the five steps to the reading process? Can they tell you exactly what it is that they do every time they sit down to read? maybe not as explicitly as they can with writing but maybe we should teach them a process that is as explicit as the writing process i've been thinking about it and the good news is is that there really is a reading process you just might not be aware of it and you might not be explicitly teaching it to your students in today's episode i want to share with you what i think are the five essential steps to the reading process step number 1 the very first thing we want to teach our students is that no matter what type of text they are reading they should preview the text. This means that they are looking at the title. They are looking at the illustrations, if there are any. They identify the author. They identify the illustrator. They read the back of the book. They study the details of the cover. If it is a picture book, they open it up and they look at the cover pages and they see if there's any specific clues. If it's a nonfiction book, they look at the table of contents. They flip through and look at some of the text features. If it's a chapter book, they look at some of the titles of the chapters they need to spend a few minutes previewing the text and paying attention and noticing all of these details. Why would this step be important? So often we jump into reading and we just take the book, we open it, and we start reading. But when we take time to preview the text, it gives us time to notice some of these small details. And some of these small details can help us make connections, make predictions, they can help us ask questions, And really, they help us start to warm up our brains to help us get the most out of our reading experience. If we actually take time to preview all parts of the text, we will be as quick as possible to make the most out of our reading experience. And in order for us to fully comprehend and enjoy what we're reading, we need to know about the text. And taking time to preview it helps us do just that. It's kind of like the warm-up for reading. If you think about it, athletes don't just jump right into the game. They always take time to warm up. Even if you think about a car, we don't just get into the car and start driving, at least in the wintertime. Up in Minnesota, we don't. We warm it up. We let the engine get warm before we start driving it. Even at a meal, you don't just jump right into the main course. You have an appetizer to warm up your taste buds and get your stomach ready to digest. And so, so many things, there's a warm-up. And the preview is really like our warm-up for reading. So, Step number one of the reading process, preview the text. Step number two, we want our students to access their background knowledge. Accessing background knowledge is simply thinking about any previous knowledge or experience that we can connect to the text. And here's the thing. A lot of times we think about background knowledge as facts or information that we know about a specific topic. And I think, for example, reading a nonfiction text, a lot of times we'll have our students use like a KWL chart. What do I know about this topic? What do I want to know? What have I learned? What do we know? What are the details that we know? But here's the thing. Background knowledge is so much more than that. A lot of times our students will read a text that they don't know anything about that topic. But that doesn't mean that they don't have background knowledge that can help them be a successful reader. Maybe they know about the genre, and if they know details about the genre, they can anticipate the text structure. They can anticipate the information that is going to be shared. They can anticipate the flow of the writing. They can anticipate the author's purpose. Maybe they know about the author and the illustrator or the book series, and maybe they know that they can expect the author to write about a specific theme or a specific topic, Maybe they know the style of art that the illustrator is going to incorporate, or maybe they've read multiple books in the series, and even if they know nothing about the topic, they can anticipate how the book is going to be written. Even if students don't have any knowledge about the topic, the genre, the author, illustrator, or series, we still want them to encourage them to think about background knowledge. One of the things that I think is so important is to push our students to think about what they already know. And here's the thing. A lot of times we have students who might not be confident readers. They might have a hard time reading. Maybe they don't believe that they can be successful reading. And this belief, this self-efficacy, is something that comes into every reading experience. And so maybe they just aren't confident. Maybe they think they know something about the topic, but they're worried about having a wrong answer. Maybe they think they know something about the genre, but they're worried that if they say the wrong thing, that they're going to be embarrassed or that they're going to get something wrong and that they just can't handle a blow to their confidence. If you're asking students to access their background knowledge and you say, what do you know about the topic? What do you know about the genre? What do you know about the author? And they say nothing. I don't know anything. We cannot accept no as an answer. So then you can follow up with, if you did know, what would you possibly say? Or if you knew somebody who did know about the topic, what might they say? Or if you had to guess, what would you say? And simply framing the questions in a way that we're not telling the students that we expect a concrete answer, but we're just asking them to give their best guess, their best prediction, their best assumption, that makes it less pressure. That can make it seem less scary to answer because we're not asking them to tell us everything they know about the topic. We're saying, well, what do you think you know? Or if you had to guess about the genre, what would you say? That can make it so much easier for students to still participate in the conversation, for them to spend some time thinking about what they might know or what they do know. And here's the thing with background knowledge. It's not a matter of whether or not students have specific information. We just need to give them something to build off of. The reason why we access background knowledge is because anytime we read, we want to connect that reading experience to something else if it's the topic, the genre, the author, that's a place to connect. But even if students don't know about that, if they spend some time thinking what they might know, it still gives them a starting point. When it comes to accessing background knowledge, having students say, I know nothing is never an answer. We want to frame our questions then in such a way to where they can at least build upon something, even if it is a guess or a prediction. I've kind of already explained this, but why is this step important? Well, like I have said, our background knowledge is the foundation in which we build upon. And if our students have absolutely no background knowledge that they can connect a reading experience to, then they're probably going to be disengaged, they're probably going to be disinterested, and they're not going to comprehend what they read. And so if we want our students to become lifelong readers, they need to know how to access all parts of their background knowledge, not just the information they know about a specific topic. So. Step number two of the reading process, help your students access their background knowledge. The third step of the reading process is read and think. This is really the bulk of the reading process, and I kind of compare it to the drafting part of the writing process. We really want our students to spend most of their time reading, but we also need to make sure that they realize that reading and thinking go hand in hand, and both of them should happen simultaneously. We don't want students just to read the words, just for the sake of reading. We want them to be actually thinking. Sometimes this means we need to tell our students what does that look like? What does it mean to read and think? Well, while they are reading, we also want them to be asking questions. We want them to be asking questions about the characters, about the setting, about the main idea, about the details, about the author's purpose, about the text structure, We want them to be applying strategies. We want them to be visualizing. We want them to be making inferences. We want them to be making connections. And we want them to analyze the text clues. We don't want them just to read. We want them to read and slow down and pay attention and really think about why did the author include this specific sentence? What is this going to help me understand later on? Why is this specific phrase here? It's not just reading, it's reading and thinking. And sometimes we really have to explain what does that thinking mean? Asking questions, applying strategies, and analyzing text clues. So why is this step important? Obviously, this one is probably the most important part of the reading process because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where students actually engage in reading. And like I said, this is really the equivalent of the drafting in the writing process, This is where a lot of the heavy lifting is done. But we have to remind ourselves, if our students are just reading the text, even if they're applying comprehension skills, it still is not a complete reading experience, which is why I argue that we need to teach them this entire reading process. We need to teach them that reading is more than just reading. It's more than reading and applying comprehension skills. There's this whole process, these steps that go into having a very full and complete and rewarding reading experience. The third step of the reading process is we want our students to read and think. They go together, hand in hand. The fourth thing that students do is we want them to respond. And really, I argue now, I'm not saying that we want them every time they read that they should respond in writing and they should give a summary and they should write a journal page, but we still want them to respond. Anytime students read, we want them to respond in some capacity. I always think that when we respond to a text, this is our opportunity to Personalize and internalize what we have read, which, if we want our students to be lifelong readers, we want that to happen for them. There are a ton of ways that you can have your students respond. They can respond by using a graphic organizer and organize their thinking. They can respond in writing, whether that is writing a summary, writing a journal entry, writing a book review, writing a letter to the author. They can respond in some sort of creative way. Maybe they want to create a picture, or maybe they want to create some sort of model or diorama of the setting, or maybe they want to come up with, you know, some sort of art representation that represents the emotions or the feelings in the text. It really can be anything. And then they can also respond by discussing what we have read. Our students can respond to a text without ever having to write anything down. But the important thing is we want them to respond. Why is this step so important? This is important because it helps students see that we do something with what we read. If you think about it, the whole reason why we read is that it is meant to change us. Reading is supposed to help us learn new information. It is supposed to help us give us a different perspective on life. It is meant to help us just explore our horizons and learn things that we might not have had access to in just our personal day-to-day lives. And when we respond, it is one way that we can focus in on what we have gotten out of that reading experience and how it has changed us. So while responding doesn't always need to be in writing, and it doesn't always need to be academic, I do think that anytime we read, we need to take time to respond to what we have read. It's how we personalize it and internalize it. And then the fifth step of the reading process is what I call evaluate or reflect. This I think is really important because this is when students get to insert their own opinion. This is when students get to really develop their identities as a reader. So what does this step actually look like? Anytime students read, and it really doesn't matter if it is they're listening to a chapter book, they read a picture book, they read an article, or they read a passage with multiple choice questions because you're in test prep season. Let them share their opinion. My opinion about this book or text was let them share if they liked it or not. Ask them if they enjoyed reading about the story or topic. Ask them if they fully understood what the text was about. Ask them if they liked the genre. Ask them if they enjoyed reading from this author. Ask them if they would read another book by this author. Ask them if they would recommend it to a friend. We want them to evaluate the reading experience. Was it positive? What made it positive? Was it negative? What made it negative? Did they enjoy it? Does it make them want to keep reading? Does it make them want to stop reading? Let them really insert their personal opinion. The reason why I think evaluating our reading experience is so important is because a lot of times in school, reading comes with a right or wrong answer. They either correctly identified the main idea or they didn't. They either got the summary question wrong or they didn't. They were either to able successfully make an inference or they weren't. But reading is so personal, and even some of those things can be subjective. But if we always give our students a chance to evaluate, even if they struggle with comprehension skills, even if they struggle with multiple choice questions, even if they struggle with the text that you are reading, when they have a chance to evaluate and express their own personal experience that can be empowering because they can be successful with an evaluation. Students can always share their opinion. They can always tell you if they've enjoyed it or not. They can always tell you if they've understand it. And if the only way to complete this step is to share their personal experience, they're always going to end their reading experience on a positive note. And they're not going to have to worry about whether they got it correct or not because the evaluation is simply their own personal opinion. When students take time to reflect and evaluate on their reading experience, They begin to really build and create their own reading identity. This is when they start to figure out what books and genres and authors they enjoy reading. This is when they start to develop really strong opinions about topics and themes they read. They start to develop a voice. And when they discuss texts, they can have meaningful conversations because they have spent time really thinking about how they feel about a text. But if students are never really given time to pause and think and evaluate a text and what their opinions are, about what they've read and their reading experience, then they're just going to carry on with reading like it's one more thing on their to-do list, a task or an assignment, rather than an integral part of their personal life. So make sure that every time your students sit down to read, that they have time to evaluate or reflect. And that is the last part of the reading process. There it is, five steps to the reading process. And I feel like these are five things that if you consistently taught them and if students were exposed to them year after year, Not only would they internalize them, but it would also help them become stronger readers. Every time they sat down to read, they knew that they needed to preview the text. They needed to take time to access their background knowledge. They knew that they were reading and thinking. They knew that they needed to respond, and they knew that they needed to evaluate. That would help make their reading experience very full, very rich, and very meaningful. And ultimately, isn't that what we want for our students? If you feel like your students are struggling to really engage with what they're reading, you might want to pause where you're at in your reading instruction and spend some time teaching your students this reading process. And to help you do that, I've put together just a really simple checklist in a bookmark form that you can share with your students. So really, every time they sit down to read, they know the five steps that they should take. They know the questions or the prompts that are going to help them apply that step. So really simple way, like I said, to help increase a more meaningful experience for your students when they're reading. I will link to that freebie in the show notes. I hope you grab it. And I would love to know if you decide to teach your students this formal reading process and how it helps their reading. I hope you will tune in next week for another episode of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. And until then, I hope you have a stellar week teaching. much for joining me today if you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast it would mean the world to me if you subscribe and leave a five-star positive review this helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you don't forget to join me over on instagram at the stellar teacher company and you can also find links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. i'll see you back here next week